0: What is up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3D. I'm Paul Lombardi. I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, it's the season finale, final episode. We'll be going live again later on in the year when the NBA season's back in full swing, when the college basketball season's back in full swing. So, season finale of going live tonight, but we got a lot jam-packed in this episode. Um we're, We'll go over the Warriors winning the 2022 NBA Finals, an absolutely insane uh series, and a ton to talk about through that. Some more Kenny Atkinson drama, obviously, with him turning down the Hornets job and uh, electing to stay with Golden State. Some Kyrie Irving drama, some more free agency news, and then later on, I'll be dropping my first round 2022 NBA mock draft as the NBA draft will take place Thursday night. We got a bunch of comments already. Ivy to New York. That's I'm going to be hitting on that a ton in a few, and I I really hope that that's the case. We got Henry and Dichter of review and preview Steph over Lebron, <laughs> and would Brunson be a good fit on the Knicks roster? Um. The Brunson thing is also something I definitely have to go over. Uh, I would absolutely love another star point guard. And Brunson, I think, can be turning into a star, uh, into a, a, a solid role, solid player. Um, maybe not a superstar or anything, but I think he could be turning into a very good player. But the question is how much money you're going to be giving him? Um, can you get Malcolm Brogdon? There's a lot that's, that I kind of want to know beforehand uh, before. Uh, we, you know, we, we marry the idea of um, bringing in Jalen Brunson, but he'll he's going to be one of the top guys in the free agent market. Obviously, a couple episodes ago, we went over the free agent market for this summer and the free agent market is not that good. It's not good by any any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Zach Levine's one of the, the by far the top guy. Looks like Kyrie Irving might might make it a little bit more interesting. It looks like he might opt out, which we'll uh, be getting into in a few. Got my dad. Nick's need to get Ivory Ivy a difference maker. We watched a ton of Purdue all season long, and uh, Jaden Ivy's the guy. I think that Jaden Ivy's the guy that can turn the franchise around. I think that it's absolutely um. Very, very important that kind of you know the Knicks get a deal done, try to move up to number four. I want to see it happen. We got Henry and Dictor. Fact of the matter is, point guard is a desperate need. I don't think they've had the stability of consistency in that position since Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward, the former Heisman winner. Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. They have not had stability or a superstar at the point guard position in a long time. Uh, we've had a bunch of fillers, even in the twenty in the two thousands when we were competitive. There haven't been many years we are were competitive uh, over the past twenty years, but the years we were, you know, we had Raymond Feltons and Chris Duhans and all those guys who kind of just like filled the void for periods of time. But we've never had a franchise uh, point guard to, in a long time, you know. So I think that that's top of the list. Had a bunch of people telling me last night that LeBron is better than Jordan. I can't take these fools anymore. You know, I've been. Fifty-five episodes in, and uh, I feel like I've mentioned the Jordan and LeBron debate almost almost every episode. And you know, you get, you can tell by the poster in my room which way I lean. I don't I don't think it's any bit close, but um, you know, LeBron fans are always going to be uh, staying staying true to their guy. Jordan fans are the realists in the situation. So you know. Um, Love, love for everybody to drop some comments and, you know, debate it. But then we got Nick Morganson. Will Kyrie end up with the Lakers to ride the coattails of LeBron again? That's going to be interesting. I mean, I I think they'd have to get rid of Westbrook first in order to bring in Kyrie. But it um, would be an interesting situation. I, I don't see who would I, – I honestly don't see who would really want – like desperately want Kyrie right now. You know, I think that it's uh, – I think his entire stock is definitely going downhill. It's a very tough situation. Um, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't love the market for him. I think that it'd be, uh, I think, you know, it's, it's very debatable, which, um, you know, obviously the Lakers and the Knicks are going to emerge as a couple of the top teams that, you know, are going to go after Kyrie because, you know, they have the money to spend and, you know, the the big, the big markets and, you know, they could both use uh, a star point guard, uh, take over a guy like him. But, you know, I, I think things will get very, very interesting if the Nets cut Kyrie loose, because I, I really am not sure that the Lakers or the Knicks would seriously want to bring him on. LeBron is not the goat. It's MJ, Chris Duhon. That was a classic. That was a classic Mike walshevsky line uh at Madison Square Garden. And Jordan is number one by far. Jordan is number one. So jumping into things, uh, the Warriors win the 2022 NBA championship. Obviously, you know, over the past week, unless you're living under a rock, you know that the Golden State Warriors are your 2022 NBA champions. Beat the Celtics in six games. So everybody who said Warriors in six, I'll give you credit. Okay, I said Warriors in seven but the Warriors in Six sixth crowd ended up getting it right. Uh, fourth, their fourth title since 2015. Warriors now move into third all-time in championships behind both the Boston Celtics and the LA Lakers, who both have 18 championships. Uh, the Warriors, I believe, have seven now, either seven or eight. Um, they've had four, obviously, now since 2015, but it's, they move into third all-time. And the big question that a lot of people are asking and you know, I'm I'm even asking it too is Steph Curry, uh was an all-star this year. Once again, uh took over the three-point crown, is now the all-time three-point made leader in NBA history. He won another NBA title, that's his fourth NBA title, and his first ever NBA finals MVP. And he also won the Western Conference Western Conference Finals MVP. So with all those uh, accolades coming his way throughout the season. Where does he rank all time? And Tom Scavetta dropped the comment at the perfect time. Steph Curry has arguably entered the top ten of all time. Um, back back during COVID in 2020, I bring this up every every so often. Um, I made my list of the top 50 players of, it, of all time. Made my NBA pyramid. Uh, everybody, you could go check that out at my blog. You now, I'll, I'll I'll drop. The, uh Link to that but I made it it's a little bit outdated because it was two years ago I published it like I published it June of 2020 I believe so it's two years old Uh obviously Giannis wasn't in my top 50 he would be in my top 50 now after winning a, a, a title Um, I would move Chris Paul up a little bit after making it to an NBA finals but <laughs> Steph Curry is an interesting one and you know I, I keep the list of my top 50 and I move guys up and down you know As seasons end and as I so please. Uh, But Seth Curry was ranked 15 in in my top top 50 going in 2020. But now two years later, after winning all those accolades, he was directly behind at 15. He was behind Karl Malone, who I had at 14. Uh, Oscar Robertson, I had 13. Jerry West, I had at 12. Bill Russell, I had at 11. Hakeem Olajuwon, I had at 10. So... Those guys. So he was directly behind those guys. I always had him ahead of Kevin Durant. That's a big question. I have Durant ranked 18 all time, and uh, Steph Curry 15. But after decent amount of consideration and a lot of thought into it, I I think he jumps three spots. I put it, I have him ranked 12 all time now on my pyramid. He went from 15 to 12 just due to this season. I'm um, a big Steph Curry fan, so he leapfrogged Carl Malone, Oscar Robertson, and Jerry West with uh, the numbers that he was able to put up this season and more of the accolades he was able to put up as well, uh, winning a fourth NBA NBA Finals, winning his first Finals MVP. But the question is, I have him at 12, and the question is, is he top 10 all the time? Um, in order for me to move him top 10 all the time, I have to move him past... Bill Russell, who's at 11, and Akeem Olajuwon, who's at 10. And Will Chamberlain's at 9. I have Kobe Bryant at 8. So um, I don't think he moves past Wilt or Kobe. But, you know, deeper consideration, I could definitely possibly move him past Bill Russell. You could definitely possibly move him past Akeem Elijah Olajuwon. Um, Olajuwon won two rings. Bill Russell obviously won 11. Bill Russell was... On, on that Celtics team that, you know, won basically every single year. So his, his rings are forever going to be the um top of the hill for most NBA players. And it's, it's always, so it's always different, different versions of the NBA need to be considered when make the all time list. Absolutely. Um, every, you know, every era is different. I'm, I love making all time lists, but I'm also in the, um, I'm also in the same, uh, same state of mind that it's next to impossible to make an all-time list because, you know, you can't you can't really gauge the type of um, competitiveness that each era had. It was a different era for sure, but yeah, I think you more just have to look at how the cer- certain players kind of dominated in their era, and you know, certain eras if they were. You know, not weren't as many teams weren't as many good players that definitely hurts them a bit, but because they didn't play against the same competition. But, you know, the, st- the stars are the stars, you know, mm-hmm. I I don't think that, you know, you can uh, penalize like Jerry West, Oscar Robertson or any of those guys just because they play in an era that wasn't as good as this as the 80s and 90s and the 2000s. You know, I think that they're, they're still two of the best players to ever play the game and they mm-hmm. deserve to be in the top 15. But Steph Curry, on the other hand, um, absolutely dominating in his era. I would move him up to 12. I wouldn't completely move him in the top 10 yet. I would possibly move him up to 10. I'd have to really consider it. Um consider if I'd want to move him past Bill Russell. And if I want to move him past Takim Elijah, well, a lot of people are saying is he a top 10 player all the time? Um it's it's tough. It's very, very tough to Um, to say that he is because you have to give a good reason why he's above the players that are in the back end of the ten. You know, it 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 doesn't matter where, doesn't matter who makes your top fifty for the most part. Um, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon will be in the ten range. Bill Russell will be in the ten range. Uh Will Chamberlain will be in the 10 range. You might have Kobe a little further down. You might have Larry Bird a little further down, Tim Duncan, Shaq, all those guys. He, which, which, one of, which ones of those guys he'd have to move past a couple of them. Which ones of those guys does he move past? And why does he move past those guys? That's why it's a very tough debate. Um and but I think that this one season by far moves him up several spots. It was easy for him, me to move him past Carl Malone. Oscar Robertson and Jerry West, because I think that this fourth title of finals MVP he's already won two MVPs, the all-time leader in threes, the greatest three-point shooter the game's ever seen. I think that all of that kind of makes him leapfrog over guys like Jerry West and Oscar Robertson and Carl Malone and Carl Malone was a tremendous player, but you know, he never, never won a championship. It's very, very tough to, you know, compare four championships to zero. Uh, he he also won two MVPs, just like Steph Curry. So so the two of them are tied there. But Steph's got four rings to Carl's zero. Um, you know it's 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 a very interesting debate, and it can go any which way. Honestly, mm-hmm. like you'll get the diehard Steph fans that say that he's pushing top five all the time. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, you got to you do have to um put into effect a lot of different things you also got to put into effect too the kind um how he changed the game too because Steph Curry did change the game a lot like whether you want to admit it or not whether you don't like the Warriors or not whether you hate Steph Curry or not he changed the game completely it's a three-point shooting game now when he came into the league it wasn't like that everybody it tries to be Steph nowadays he's the first guy who would consistently shoot 10, 10 feet from behind the three point line, uh, and drain them, and then you saw guys like Damian Lillard and you know even LeBron trying to pull the same stuff that Steph that Steph did. So he kind of set a precedent. It's similar, in my opinion, to kind of what Allen Iverson did in the early two thousands. Allen Iverson kind of uh, set a precedent. He was he was a trendsetter. Um, he made. The style of the NBA a little bit different. The hard nose of the NBA, the the arguing, the you know being a tough nosed player, that those kind of guys. Um, he was kind of the face of a generation. A lot of kids wanted to be him, and a lot of kids want to be Steph. So that's that's where I stand on the matter. I move him up to 12th all time. I don't quite have him in the top 10. I I I don't necessarily by the end of the summer I might have him in the top 10, but I'd have to really consider about if I would put him over Bill Russell and if I'd put him over um, Hakeem Olajuwon after, just after this year. Now, I, I mean, he's still got several years left, and it seems like he's got several very good years left. So, you know, by at the end of it, I would not be shocked if I put him over Hakeem and Bill Russell in the next year or so, even if I don't do it this year. But I also said it after they won. Uh, this is not Steph Curry's final championship either. He's not going to retire with four rings this Warriors team is built to keep winning. I absolutely think that they're going to keep the team together. A lot of people think that they're going to trade Jordan pool. I think they're going to extend Jordan pool. They're going to keep the core together. Uh, Draymond clay and Steph are not going anywhere. And I, I think that that Steph will retire with probably five rings. If, if not even another one, I think that before he retires, the Warriors are going to win another championship. I, I, can absolutely see that happening. Uh, it could be as soon as next year. You never even know, uh, depending on how the other teams in the West kind of match up against him, because they're they have a ridiculous amount of experience now. They have more experience than almost anybody besides LeBron in the end that's still in the league. So, I I don't think that Steph is going to retire with four rings. Um, I think that's there's a lot of. Um, you know, a lot of his career to still play out. And I think by the time he retires, too, he's going to have a 3 points record that's going to be very, very impossible to break, the amount of threes that he's going to hit. I think that he might be the three-point lead, uh leader for a long time uh, by the time he retires, too. I think that that's, that's his uh, crown that he'll hold on to probably into uh, his elderly days. Uh, then we got Tom Scabetti. Andrew Wiggins was an X factor and Nick seems to agree with you. Andrew Wiggins was a dark horse. He absolutely was. He had some of the best rebounding games of his career. He played tremendous defense. It was an all around great effort. I mean, Steph Curry was clearly the best player on the court, but, um, Andrew Wiggins played amazing. Clay Thompson came up big in the later games when he had to Draymond Green. Um, you know, didn't seem like he, he did a whole mo- whole ton, but he was good on the defensive end. Um, played some good basketball in the finals. Proud of him. Proud of you too. Started your job today. So I'm proud of you too, Nick. Congratulations on that. Um, Yeah. So Steph Curry winning his fourth title for uh, the Warriors and they're your 2022 NBA champions. Um, Yeah. So that's all there pretty much is to it for the 2021-22 NBA season. Uh, It's wrapped up. We're going to be obviously hitting the NBA draft in two days, and then NBA free agency will begin on July 1st. So the 22-23 season will be uh, geared and ready to go. And getting ready for the 22-23 season, Kenny Atkinson turned down the Horn's job last episode we went over how Kenny Atkinson was going to be the Charlotte Hornets next head coach. And that's no longer going to be the case. Um, after accepting the position, he decide, will instead stay as an assistant for the Golden State Warriors. It was kind of interesting why he decided to do that, but um, a leak came out today that him and the and the Hornets uh, front office couldn't agree on contracts for his potential assistant coaches because the Hornets apparently have one of the lowest assistant coach um, contracts in all of the NBA. They, as a whole, they don't like to pay, to pay their assistant coaches very much. Kenny Atkinson wanted to bring a certain amount of guys and wanted them to get paid well. Uh, they couldn't agree to that. So apparently that's part of the reason why Atkinson decided to stay with Golden State. But that reopens the Hornets' job. um Mike D'Antoni, Terry Stotts, and Kenny Atkinson were the three finalists and they gave it to Atkinson. So uh, Mike D'Antoni is going to get another interview that came out today for the Hornets job. Uh, Terry Stotts will probably also become the consideration now when they, um, now Quinn Snyder could have a potential shot of uh, becoming uh, in the mix for the Hornets job. I think that's he might get an interview if he's interested in it, you know, unless he wants to sit out a season and see what bigger jobs become available next off season, or I don't see him becoming assistant for the time being, but I can see him like sitting out for one season and, you know, gauging the market next year and and going after the top jobs that are, that are out there for next year. But we got Nick Jordan meeting with D'Antoni. Uh, Mike D'Antoni is going to get another interview with the Hornets and the Hornets should grab Mark Jackson. You know, Mark, the Mark Jackson thing is so interesting. There's got to be something that we don't know about because he's had so many interviews since leaving the Warriors uh, and just nobody seems to want him. He makes it to the last round of interviews and just nobody nobody gives him a shot. And he did a good job with the Warriors too. Obviously, Steve Kerr put them over the edge and um, helped them win the finals. But but Mike but Mark Jackson was definitely seen as the guy who kinda like um bred Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and, and Draymond Green uh into, you know, the players that they kind of became more Draymond Green. I'm but you know, I think at this point that's um that whole argument's kinda out the window. Steve Kerr is an amazing head coach and he's gotta get all the credit for it. You know, it's not this was not Mark Jackson's team. You know, he put them all over the edge, and especially with this with this title this year, this kind of establishes him as being a key piece of of this Warriors dynasty. You know, it wasn't just the players. So Kenny Atkinson is going to stay on Steve Curry's staff for Golden State and turn down the Hornets job. So the Hornets job is wide open yet again. Uh, the Hornets and the Jazz job, I believe, are the two jobs that are, that are still open. Um, that haven't been filled yet. The Jazz been been uh, interviewing a few different guys. I know they've interviewed Johnny Bryant, who was an assistant for the Knicks. They have interviewed a few young guys um, to potentially take Quinn Sire's spot, but it's, I haven't seen anything uh, real concrete about a guy that they truly want. So Kenny Atkinson will be back in Golden State, and the Hornets are going to be back on the market. It looks like the Hornets are going to, Try to go after a veteran though. They're interested in D'Antoni. They're interested in Stotts. Mark Jackson's name is floating around. Quinn Snyder is not is I haven't heard of any rumors about Quinn Snyder going to the Hornets or even getting an interview, but that's just, you know, a name that I came up with. If if Quinn Snyder is interested, I wouldn't be shocked though if he's not very interested and he wants to sit out a year and, you know, see which jobs open up next year. Say the Knicks have another terrible year, they decide to let Thibodeau go. Um you know, if he wants to go after the Knicks' job, or you know, if the Nets have another disappointing year and they hold on to Kevin Durant and they let Steve Nash go, maybe he goes after the Nets' job. Like those kind of situations, um, I think he could be he could be looking for. So, um, jumping over to more free agency news, Kyrie Irving is apparently going to test free agency. The Nets and Kyrie are at a bypass with contract talks. He's got a player option for this year. But apparently him and the Nets are not on the same page and they may mutually agree to part ways this off season, which would mean Kyrie would opt out of his player option and become a free agent. The two teams that have emerged as early potential candidates for him are the Knicks and Lakers. Uh, I feel like every time a big free agent comes out, the Knicks and Lakers are always in the mix. I don't even know if the Knicks or the Lakers have any interest in Kyrie. I think that that could all just be speculation just because, um, you know, Kyrie played with LeBron and won a championship with LeBron, and the Knicks need a point guard badly and wanted Kyrie back in 2019 and didn't end up getting him. I, I don't I don't see either of those teams getting him. Um, I think that the Lakers are going to be stuck with Westbrook for another year, and I don't see them bringing in Kyrie with Westbrook um, because they're not going to be able to afford that. And for in the Knicks part, you know, the Knicks have a young team. If they're able to trade up and get Jaden Ivey with the fourth pick, then they absolutely don't need him. but I also think that they could Malcolm Brogdon could be a guy that they try to go after or Jalen Brunson or you know some, um, you know some of those guys. So I would not so I would not be shocked if um if Kyrie isn't pursued by either of those teams, which would make things really, really interesting if the Nets do decide to let him go because I I to be honest with you, I have no idea where he would go um i i don't think he would get anywhere close to the money that he'd be owed if he opted into his player option next year with the nets so i think it's it's going to be very interesting to see from now until July 1st uh what the nets and Kyrie decide to do with uh with his contract because they're definitely at a bit of a feud and it seems like you know nets the nets seem frustrated with Kyrie but Kyrie seems a little frustrated with the nets too Kyrie's you know, posting some cryptic things on Twitter about after the news broke, um, kind of like shading the Nets a little bit. So yeah, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but I think it's going to be very interesting to see. And also with Kevin Durant under contract too, his best friend, you know, part of the reason why he decided to go to the Nets was to team up with Kevin Durant. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what Durant's response is to all of this. But Warriors won the NBA Finals. The NBA free agency takes place in a week, but this week, 2022 NBA draft takes place. So without any further ado, my 2022 NBA mock draft. Uh the first we'll be going over the first round. Um, we won't be going over both rounds, may may take way too long, but um the first things first, the NBA draft will be taking place on Thursday. This upcoming Thursday will be on ESPN. Uh, a lot of talk about who's going number one, who's going number two. Uh, this this is one of the first years in a while that the number one pick is so wide open just two days before the draft. Usually you have like a leak that, uh, you know, a guy is definitely getting taken number one by now. And it just hasn't been the case. It could be it could be any three. It could be Palo Bancaro. It could be Chet Holmgren. And it could be... uh um it could be Jabari Smith so i think i think that's it's, it's going to be really interesting to kind of to see what happens i'll put up the graphic in the meantime um that we have of my mock draft so here we go um if everybody can see this is my 2022 nba mock draft for the first round um, first things first, we've got with the number one overall pick, the Orlando magic will, uh, take Jabari Smith out of Auburn. So personally, I like Jabari Smith a lot. I think that Jabari, um, is the best player in this year's draft. He's a lengthy, uh, stretch forward who can shoot, uh, he can do just about everything. And I think he's going to end up being the best player from this year's draft. That's, that's my personal take. Um, I would not be shocked if if he's the best player. I think that's um, he's an all, just an all-around stud. He averaged 16.9.7.4 boards and shot 42 percent from three at 610 220 pounds. Uh, he's an absolute stud. Obviously the magic have rumors with taking Chad Holmgren first overall because uh, of of him potentially being on the same team as Jalen Suggs. Who was his high school teammates, but I don't think um, personally. I think that Jabari Smith is going to end up going number one. I think he could fit in nicely in a front court with Jonathan Isaac and Wendell Carter, uh, Cole Anthony in that back courts. I I I think that, that would be a great a great piece to build around for the future for the Magic for sure. And then the second pick, I got a little bit of a curveball here. I got it's OKC going Paolo Bancaro at number two. You know, most people are going. Uh, Jabari one Chet two Paolo three or Chet one Jabari two Paolo three most people have Paolo going to Houston but I don't even but my my prediction is that OKC is going to uh, latch on to Paolo I think that they're looking for a score first dominant big like Paolo uh, Chet Holmgren obviously is similar to that but I think that they have a very similar guy in Pogashevsky and I think um i think that bancaro is going to be an all-around stud 6'10, 250 he can shoot um he can do a similar to jabari smith in my opinion he's very similar to jabari smith um but just i i would say a little bit less skilled and a little bit less of of a shooter than Jawari Smith is. But he averaged 17.2 points, averaged 7.8 rebounds, a tremendous rebounder at 610, 250. He's got great size, uh, plays good defense. And I think that he can be a great off-ball scorer to go along with guys like Shea Gilges, Alexander, and Josh Giddy, who are both young and both could be pass first backcourt pieces. So I I think um I think those could all. It'd be key key factors to OKC wanting to take Bancaro at number two. And we got a couple more comments. Mike DeSanto from Review and Preview. No concern over Smith not showing up in the tourney. Definitely some concern. There's always going to be some concern, you know, when you have a freshman who did not play well in the tournament. But watching Jabari throughout this entire college basketball season for Auburn, I – I love the way he played, and I could, you could just tell his potential too. He can do just about everything. He can handle the ball at at six ten. He can shoot. He's a scorer at will. Uh, I think that's—I think it it would be smart for the Magic to take him first overall. I think he's going to be the best player in the draft. Very nice graphic. Thanks, Nick. Uh, Shane Sharp, to Detroit just seems right. I like I part of the reason why I had him going to Detroit is because it seems like a good fit. He's going to be good. And Nikola Jovich to, has to go to Denver. I think that um, they're going to have a legitimate shot at getting him at 21 because that's right around the range that he's supposed to go. And that would be hilarious if they end up getting him. But for the sake of uh, you know NBA fan sanity, not having a Nikola Jovich and a Nikola Jokic on the same team, I, I decided to have him go to Memphis. But then at number three, I've got Chet Holmgren. So in this case scenario – the Rockets are going to be and en- are going to end up with the one player that uh, the other two teams didn't want, which isn't a bad thing whatsoever. Uh, I would say Smith goes one, Bancaro goes two. I got Chet Holmgren going three. Uh, I think Holmgren could be a good piece to turn around the Rockets team. They just traded Christian Wood to Dallas. And part of the reason they did that, they got the 26th pick, which will be later in the first round. Um And part of the reason why they did that was because they're going to take a big man. I mean, whoever's on the board, they're going to take, whether it's Jabari Smith, Bancaro or Holmgren, one of those guys they're going to take. And they've got Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green already in their backcourt. So they need a key front court piece to build around. And I think Chad Holmgren could be a great guy that can team up with Jalen Green and, you know, start to put things into the right direction in Houston. So I like that idea a lot. And then at number four for Sacramento, I like Keegan Murray going to Sacramento. Even if Jaden Ivey's on the board, um, I I feel like Sacramento is loaded with guards. They've been taking guards year after year. They, they've they got uh, backcourts of Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox for years to come. I, I think that they're going to go with a forward, and I think they're going to go with Keegan Murray. Jeff Goodman, who is a college basketball analyst for the stadium, has compared Keegan Murray to the next Chris Middleton. Which I think is a very good comparison. A great two-way guy, can defend, he can shoot the three, and took huge steps in his second year at Iowa this past year. Uh, he went from a decent role player behind Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp in his freshman year to literally the stud of Iowa. And I think that he's he's gonna be a tremendous NBA player. I think he's gonna be one of the best, one of the best young forwards in the league. He's, he's going to be one of those stretch guys, too, that can play the three and the four. I mean, he's got legitimate size. He's 6'8", 225. He averaged 23.5 points, 8.7 rebounds, shot 39.8% from three. I mean, I think that I think he's all around great. And I think that he's the kind of guy that is better than Harrison Barnes and will be Harrison Barnes' eventual replacement for the Kings. Um, if they keep the fourth pick, that is. you know, Obviously, there's a ton of rumors going on. Indiana might move up to four. Um, the Knicks might move up to four and all of those teams want Jaden Ivey. So if Sacramento ends up trading out of four, you know, Jaden Ivey will probably end up being the pick. But if Sacramento decides to keep the fourth pick, then um, you know, I like Keegan Murray a lot. Then number five, I got the Detroit Pistons taking Shaden Sharp. Um, I do have them taking another backcourt piece, and it's not Jaden Ivy. I just think that Cade Cunningham, they took Cade Cunningham last year with the first overall pick. They took Killian Hayes the year before with their lottery pick, two guys who they see as point guards. Um they may not be looking for another point guard, another ball handling um score first guard. I think I still think Cade Cunningham is going to be their point guard. He's a little bit more of a point forward at 6'8, at but I think Shane Sharp could fit in great with Cade Cunningham. They both similar type players. They can be a good one-two combo. Um, you know, Shaden Sharp is one of the most interesting stories of this year's draft obviously did not play a game this past season. He did, has not played a game since high school. He uh, committed to Kentucky and decided to withdraw on, um, decided to not play in any games, but just practice with the team and didn't play in any college this past year. So, and a lot of people think that with his talents, if he had played some college basketball this year, he's a, he would have been a legitimate choice for the first overall pick. That's how good he is. So, um, I think that Shaden Sharp is a very, very interesting uh, choice. And I don't see him falling past six or seven. I know Port- I saw the report that came out today. The Portland Trailblazers are huge on Shaden Sharp. So do not anticipate him falling past seven. Apparently, Damian Lillard loves him. He worked out for the Trailblazers, and Trailblazers love him. So if Sharp were to end up falling to seven, he's not falling past the Trailblazers, I don't think. But um, number five could could be a good spot. And then at number six, if the Pacers end up doing it, I know the Pacers have a ton of backcourt help. They have Malcolm Brogdon under contract. They've got Tyrese Halliburton. They got Buddy Heald, who they traded for. But if Jay Nivey falls to six, he's not going, he's not going any further than six. This is like, this is like a weird case scenario, kind of top six on um, that I in this draft. You gotta, you gotta do that though. You know, you can't just go with the mold because every year, you know, I've become, been covering, been, um, doing mock drafts, covering the NBA draft on my own over the past 10 years. And every year there's some curveballs and a lot of times there's some curveballs in the top six. So you got, there's some guys that fall a little bit, some guys who get selected much, much higher than you would anticipate them. You know, we could end up seeing a Malachi Branham going top five or somebody like that. You know, you you never know what's going to happen. So I think that that's all going to be interesting. So in this case scenario, if Jaden Ivey falls to six, he's not falling past the Pacers. I think in that case scenario, he would team up with Tyrese Halliburton as their future backcourts. And they would probably trade Malcolm Brogdon, which they're trying to do anyway. And if this is the case and the Knicks aren't able to get the fourth pick or the sixth pick from Indiana, I could see them... Um, possibly holding on to the 11th pick and trading for Malcolm Brogdon, maybe being the partner to um, to take on Brog- Brogdon's contract for the Pacers if the Pacers end up with uh, the with Jaden Ivey or one of those guys. I feel like some of the G- those G League guys could be selected higher. If they went to college, a little exposure could be a bad thing based on draft position. Absolutely. I think the biggest loser from um, from this year's NBA G League Ignite team was Jaden Hardy. I have a 23? He was a top five recruit in the entire nation out of high school last year. If he had, it, probably, if he had played college for Duke or you know Kentucky or one of those schools and had a great year, he'd probably he'd probably be going top seven or so right now. But he he had a good year for the G League, but he was a little inconsistent shooting from the field, and a lot of people kind of like questioned him playing against. Some NBA stars, so they're wondering about his, um, you know, his potential in the league. So he's fallen to a mid to late first round. And Jaden Hardy, you know, absolutely has the potential to be one, if not the best player from this year's draft. He can 100% end up becoming the best player from this year's draft. Um, but he fell to the late first round mainly because uh mainly for that reason so i think the but i also think the ignite does help some guys marjon bochamp who i've got at 19 over there he was a community college star who wasn't getting any college looks decided to play for ignite went off this season and every and kind of came into scouts minds and it's like wow he this dude can rebound this dude can shoot this guy's a good plus defender like he's gonna he could be a good nba player and he was kind of overlooked in the Mm -hmm. college route um, he played prep school, he played community college, and then he decided to go play for Ignite because they gave him a contract and he made the most of it. So a guy like that really capitalized on and Dyson Daniels, who the next one is. If I got number seven going to Portland um, from Ignite, he kind of flew up the draft charts late. Um, he well, is a lengthy shooting guard, 6'8, 195, average 11 points and six rebounds in uh, two steals this season for Ignite. But He's a good lengthy combo guard. They think he can handle the ball at 68. Uh he can do a lot of little things very well. He's a good defender and I think that it could be a good addition for for Portland to replace CJ McCollum if they're not able to replace him with Shane Sharp. I think if Shane Shane Sharp probably be high on their list, but if they stay at 7 and um Shane Sharp ends up going before Number seven, I think Dyson Daniels might be the next best option. And then number eight, I got the Pelicans taking Ty Ty Washington. This is a lot higher than most people have Ty Ty going. Um, I mainly have it because I think the Pelicans are probably going to look point guard. They've got Devontae Graham under contract for another year, but um, they're, they're starting to build a bit of a contender. They traded for CJ McCollum. They got Brandon Ingram. They've got Zion coming back. They got Jonas Valanciunas. So that's four of their starting five right there. And the one guy that's missing is a pure point guard. And I think Ty Ty Washington could be the pure point guard that they're lo- that they're looking for. Um, he's a good, he's a good distributor. He's a good scorer. Um, he's a good spot up shooter too. He was a little inconsistent during his one year in college this past year at Kentucky. But besides that, I think he's, you know, I think it may take him a year or two to really come into his own, but I think he'll be a quality NBA player. And I think he'll end up becoming a solid defender as well. So I think that's I wouldn't be shocked if the Pelicans decide to go down that road, down that road, unless they, you know, are just looking more for for bench pieces um, to fit behind like McCollum and Ingram and Zion and everybody. But when they're fully healthy, I mean, the Pelicans are starting to put together a winner. If Zion comes back and is fully healthy and is the old Zion Williamson, that team could be a tough out next year. So I think that point guard could be the one thing that they're lacking. Devontae Graham is a very good point guard. And I think that he's doing a great job holding it down for now, but he's got one year left on his contract. You don't know if he's their future answer. And if they have a chance of having another future, Um, they also have Kyra Lewis too, who missed his entire season. Uh, after tearing his ACL. So that's another guy who could become their future point guard, uh, but probably more of a bench player in the league. And then at number nine, I got the Spurs taking AJ Griffin. This is one of those picks that just seems right. You know, AJ Griffin is one of those guys that would fit perfect in Popovich's system. Uh, a lot of people, there's no doubt that the Spurs could probably use a big man. I mean, Griffin is technically a front court guy, he's technically, um, He's technically a small forward, but they could probably use a big man more where they'll probably may end up looking at Jalen Duran or Mark Williams with the ninth pick uh, to, to try to get a pure center. But I, I like, I like the idea of AJ Griffin going to Spurs because Griffin, I think is one of the surest things in this year's draft. There's a lot of guys who have, a ton of big time potential, but could flame out. I think AJ Griffin is going to be a solid NBA player. He's a knockdown three point shooter and a great defender, great athleticism. He's got all the makings to be a good, tremendous three and D guy in the NBA. I, and I think that the Spurs would not, if he, he's going to go in like the nine to 12 range, something like that. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Spurs snag him just because they know what he's capable of. And they know, what they're going to get out of him. I wouldn't be surprised if if the Spurs end up snagging him at number 9. Um I think that's I think is going to be a tremendous uh, tremendous player. If he ends up falling to the to 11 for um in the Knicks stay at 11, I would love for them to consider him. And then number 10, I got the Wizards taking Jalen Duran. I feel like every single year I I have um the Wizards taking a center because that's like their biggest team need. But they have they do have a loaded front court now. After a few trades, they traded for Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, they got Kyle Kuzma. They got Daniel Gafford. They got Rui Hachimura, who they drafted a couple of years ago. They got Denny Abdija, who they drafted a couple of years ago. Um, so they got they have forwards, but they don't really have a pure center. You know, Porzingis is seven one, but is more of a power forward. I think that Jalen Duren could be a very good piece to go along with Bradley Beal, good pick and roll player. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they decide to go, to go Duran at number 10 and then the Knicks at number 11, Johnny Davis, um, is the guy I think that if in this case scenario, uh, Johnny Davis would have to be the choice. Obviously the, the Knicks would love point guard, would love to go point guard. But if there's, they stick with the 11th pick, there's really no point guard to take there unless Ty Ty Washington falls. And that's only if they like Ty Ty enough that that they would draft him at 11. But Johnny Davis is a guy who is a lengthy is a lengthy kind of combo guard. They think he could be a point guard in the NBA because he's a very good ball handler, great rebounder for his size too. He averaged 8.2 rebounds a game at Wisconsin this year as at 6'6, 196. Um averaged 1.2 steals as well and averaged almost 20 points a game. He's one of the best players in the country. Uh is a knockdown scorer, not not known to be a extremely knockdown three point shooter, but you know can score within the three point line. And you know I I, th- I think that uh, Johnny Davis is going to end up being a stud, and is end up go- is going to end up being a very good player. I should say. And I think that if if this the, if the top ten plays out the way that I have it playing out, Johnny Davis is the pick for the Knicks. And then at number twelve, I got Benedict Matherin. Going to Oklahoma City. Um, Matherin is was a breakout player this year for Arizona, who was one of the best teams in the nation. He's a great two way player, great scorer, can rebound. There's also there's been a, some rumors coming out um, of the um, from scouts today actually that Matherin could go as high as five. Apparently, the Pistons are extremely high on him. Uh, they may want him to be their future shooting guard, so you never know. But in this case, Matherin falls a little bit. This is OKC's second pick um, of the first round, and um, I I think that's uh, the second pick of the lottery, I should say. And, you know, if they end up going, they're going to end up going big man at number two. So I think that they would love to go guard, and I like, see them going with Matherin, too. Possibly team up with Giddy and Gilchrist Alexander in, in that backcourt. And then the Charlotte Hornets, we got Mark Williams going number 13. I think that this is a perfect kind of uh, situation. I see a lot of mock drafts that have Mark Williams going 13 to Charlotte. Charlotte is looking for a pick and roll big man that they can uh, team up with LaMelo Ball to catch some lobs. And that's exactly what Mark Williams is. Mark Williams is a 7 2 stud, he's quick. Great shot blocker, averaged almost three blocks a game this season. Uh, he does, he's not much of a shooter. He's an in the paint scorer, can grab some rebounds, and I think the biggest thing too is h- him measuring at seven two. He was met. He was a sophomore this past year at Duke, and he measured seven feet tall on um, his freshman year. And at the combine this year, he's measuring in at seven two. So he could still be growing too. I mean, the dude's the dude is only not even 21 yet. So he might be done growing now, but he if measured in at 7'2", will be listed at 7'2 next year. So uh, I think that Mark Williams is a great rim protector. And Charlotte's definitely going to be looking for a rim protector with their 13th pick as well, uh, and a good pick and roll kind of guy, because LaMelo Ball, they, they're they going to start viewing LaMelo Ball as a Trey Young kind of player, in my opinion. The Hornets are going to try to build LaMelo into like the next Trey Young. They want maybe not as good of a shooter as Trey Young, but a high assist guy who can score twenty plus points a game because Lamelo a great passer as well as being a great all around scorer. So I think that that's that's their ultimate goal. They want him to be a nine ten assist guy as well as a twenty five plus point per game kind of guy. That's like their their ceiling for him. So they want so just like Trey Young has with Clint Capella in Atlanta, the Charlotte Charlotte wants um, a pick and roll big man who can block shots to kind of team up with LaMelo there in Charlotte. And I think that's, that's exactly what Mark Williams is. So if Mark Williams is on the board at 13, I don't see the Hornets passing up on him. I think that that's almost a perfect situation. I think that that's exactly what they need. And then Cleveland at 14, uh, Cleveland kind of shocked everybody this year. They're going to be looking for shooting. They were a, their One thing was they were a little inconsistent from behind the arc and Malachi Branham is a perfect pick for them. If he's still on the board, he's a knockdown three point shooter. Um, he shot a ridiculous, he shot 42% from three this year was arguably one of the best three point shooters in the entire nation. Uh, one of the best defenders in the entire nation too. So he is, he's a great piece to kind of add to the backcourt um, with Darius Garland and Isaac Okoro, and all the rest of those guys Uh knockdown shooter. I think that that's, that's a very good pick at 14 and the number 15 Charlotte's got two picks. They, they got 13 and 15 there. Um, if they decide to go Mark Williams at 13, I could see them going small forward at 15 because Miles Bridges is a free agent. Um, there's no guarantee that he'll be back. So in case they decide not to bring him back, they could be looking for his potential replacement. And Ushman Jiang is the guy that they could be looking at. He's a lengthy forward. He can handle the ball a little bit. He can score. Um, he was a breakout player this year for the New Zealand breakers in the NBL. Uh, the, uh, the National Basketball League, which has some New Zealand teams, has some Australian teams. I'm pretty sure that's the same league that uh, that LaMelo Ball played in when he played for the Lithuania team. Pretty sure. Don't quote me on that, but I uh, played for the New Zealand Breakers. R.J. Hampton played for the New Zealand Breakers as well a couple of years ago when he decided not to go to college um, and play overseas instead, but Jiang is lengthy. He's 6'9", 185. He uh, can score off the dribble. He can he do a lot of different stuff. Good defender. Um, so he's and he's also going to probably be the first international player off the board uh, in this year's draft. It's not it's not a big international draft this year. There's not a ton of international names. I mean, as you can see on in my first round mock, I only have two international guys going first round. Um, him and Nikolayevich, and there's going to be a handful of guys that could go in the second round, but um it's it's not really an international heavy draft this year next year is going to be much more uh with you know possibly one of the the biggest names in, that you ha- that you haven't heard of yet um being the first overall pick next year uh Victor Wembayana. but um that's that's going to be more of a conversation for season 3 of the 3 and D when we resume uh when we resume our um live episodes later on in october so number 15 i got charlotte taking ujman giang and then it's and then 16 and on it gets interesting you got a bunch of contenders um for the most part that are going to try to look for some bench pieces and uh some guys who could potentially be replacements i think Tari eason is a great pick for the hawks at number 16 He's one of those guys who can be a stretch forward on um, John Collins. Apparently it, it could be on the trade market and may be out of Atlanta. So I think that that's even more of a likelihood that Tari Eason could go to the Hawks because, you know, he's the same size. He's obviously a small forward as DeAndre Hunter, but he could be a guy that can match up with him because he's a great defender. He averaged 1.9 steals and 1.1 blocks a game this year for LSU in his sophomore season. So he's a tremendous defender, great low post defender, even at only 6'8, 217. So I think I think he's one of those guys that you know you can match up with DeAndre Hunter, who's a who's a ball dominant uh score first kind of forward. I think that 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 could be a good pick. I could definitely see Eason going 16. And then number 17 the Houston Rockets, um I got them taking Jeremy Sohan from Baylor. Uh Sohan was one of Baylor's top recruits this year. Didn't have the greatest first half of the season, kind of broke out a little bit in the second half and just flew up draft boards, mainly because of his size and his NBA potential. He only averaged 9.2 points, 6.4 rebounds uh, and 1.3 steals this season for Baylor, but he's got great size at 6'9", 230. He can handle the ball, and they think he's going to be a tremendous defender in the NBA. They think that he could be a lockdown defender um, and you know, potentially an all-defensive kind of guy. They they think that he's got a great motor. He showed that in the tournament too, kind of getting into guys' heads, getting some technical fouls and stuff. He's he's flown up a lot. And a team like Houston could be perfect for him. You know, they're gonna have the third pick, they're gonna have the 17th pick, and they're gonna have the 26th pick now after after making that trade with Dallas for Christian Wood. So um that could be a guy that they add to their front court that you know, they start to build around a little bit. Then at 18, I got the Chicago Bulls taking Walker Kessler, out of a uh, sophomore out of Auburn, kind of broke out this year. He was at North Carolina for his freshman year, then decided to transfer to Auburn and broke out big time, was the best shot blocker in the nation this past year, averaged 4.6 blocks a game, averaged over six blocks per 48 minutes um, or per 40 minutes. I, th- I think the I think the stat was obviously because of forty minutes in college basketball, but I think on um, the stat was per forty minutes. Um, he averaged over six blocks a game, and four point six blocks on the season. Tremendous rim protector, seven one two fifty six. He's got great size, eleven point four points, eight point one rebounds, and shot sixty point eight percent from the field. He's he's very similar to Mark Williams, in my opinion. He's um like the next tier below. Mark Williams. Um, he's The two of them are going to be similar players. They're both going to be shot blocking back to the basket scores, pick and roll kind of guys. And Chicago could definitely use that. Um, they, they've they got Nikola Vucevic, who is the exact opposite of that. He's a uh, three point shooting and rebounding, but it's not much of a defensive big man. Whereas Walker Kessler is uh, back to the basket score, pick and roll guy and, tremendous shot blocker. So I think that's, you know, they could complement each other very well, at least for next year. And then Kessler could potentially take over uh, for, at the five for Vucevic when um uh, he becomes a free agent. And then nine, number 19, we got Minnesota Timberwolves have a lot in their backcourt, but Marjon Bochamp is a great, very good player. We just went over him before, so I don't even need to get into him too much, but I feel like he could be a guy that succeeds with the Timberwolves. Um, add him to an already solid core that they're starting to build with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Uh, One reason why I think that uh, they might end up looking guard at number 19 is because D'Angelo Russell is probably going to be on the trade block. Uh, He was a little inconsistent this past year, and it seems like the Timberwolves are looking to move on from him. So they kind of want to pair up Edwards with someone different in the backcourt. So Bochamp could be an interesting option. Not that he would probably be a starter right off the bat. Um they'd probably start Beverly at the one and Edwards at the two and Bochamp would come off the bench. But, you know, high motor kind of guy, great athlete, can play good defense, um, good score, and you know, he does a little bit of everything as I was saying before, you know, just improved his draft stock immensely by playing for Ignite this past year. He was a nobody before the before this season. I I don't think that he probably wasn't in a single first-round mock draft before the G League season started. And you know now he's, he's pretty much guaranteed to be a first-round pick. He's almost definitely going to be a first-rounder. Then number 20, I got the Spurs taking EJ Liddell. Um, this is another guy that I think is right up the Spurs' alley. If he ends up falling to number 20, I think that the Spurs would love to have him, um, especially if they take EJ Griffin with their first pick, Liddell is a similar player and does just about everything on the court. He's 6'7", 243. He's got great size. He makes up for – he's more of a power forward than a small forward. He's listed as a small forward because he's only 6'7", but he's more of a power forward. He makes up for only being 6'7", by his 243-pound stature. He averaged 2.6 blocks a game this year for Ohio State, averaged 19.4 points, 7.9 rebounds, and shot 37.4% from three as well. So – he does a ton. He's a great he's a great defender, great distributor, uh, can grab rebounds, he can shoot, he can do a lot of stuff. And I think that he could fit really well in the Spurs system. Um, especially, you know, if they if they decide to go AJ Griffin too, because um they they need small forwards. That's the thing. I think they only have one true small forward on their roster for next season currently, and that's Doug McDermott. So if there's one thing the Spurs need, it's a true small forward. Lonnie Walker's a free agent, and he was pretty much the only other one. So I wouldn't even be surprised if they if they took two small forwards with two of their three first-round picks uh, this year. At number 21, we got Denver Nuggets. Um, O'Shea Baji, I've been seeing him going as high as the lottery, as 12, 13, 14 in that range. I even saw one mock draft of the Knicks taking him at number 11. But this one, he falls a little bit um, – He's an all-around tremendous scorer. He was a great defender all through college and decided to keep going back to school and improved his shot making and his offense insanely for his senior season at Kansas this past year, ended up winning the national title, shooting 41% from three, averaging 18.8 points a game, being one of the best players in the nation. He is one of the best stories in college basketball, because, you know, instead of staying in the NBA draft, he smartly decided to go back and improve his stock. And he's a guaranteed first round pick. 21 is pretty low. I got to say, I'm a big O'Shea Bajie fan and 21 is pretty low. I'm, I'm not even completely convinced that he's going to fall that far. I think that he's more going to be in like the 10 to 15 range. That's probably more likely what he's going to end up being, but it's, um, You know, we, th- that's why we have mock drafts is two days before the NBA draft. So I could always, I could always change that. And then at 22, um, I got the Memphis Grizzlies going with Nikola Jovich. Obviously it, at 21, Yovich is supposed to go between like 20 and 25. That's like his draft stock and Denver's got 21. So there's, there's a good chance that Denver does end up taking Jovich and they both, and they have Nikola Jokic and Nikola Jovich, but regardless Jovich is a good player on his own. He's a lengthy power forward, 6'11" 223, he's got a legitimate size. He's a great on-ball scorer. Uh he I think he can do a lot of a lot of good things and he could be a good piece for the Grizzlies at 22 to um to replace Kyle Anderson who is going to be a free agent and kind of add to that that good young team that they're putting together with the Grizzlies and, you know, give them another scoring option, I think too. Is is a key is a key part of it. I think that's Jovic would probably be a bench player to start, but you know he could he could help aid the second unit in scoring. Um I I think that he's gonna be a, a very very valuable player in the NBA. And then at twenty three, I got the Philadelphia 76ers taking Jaden Harvey Jaden Hardy. Um, out of the NBA G League Ignite, we went over him at the beginning of the show. He was a top five recruit in the entire nation coming out of high school this past year. Decided to go to Ignite. I uh, still averaged 18 points a game for Ignite this past year, but was a little inconsistent from the field. And you know, a lot of a lot of people started wondering if you know he's as legit as they thought he was gonna be. Um so I have him going twenty-three at Philadelphia. I think that if he falls to twenty-three. Philadelphia will take a flyer on him. Why not? You know they've they they do have plenty of backcourt pieces: James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thybul, obviously. But but if Jaden Hardy falls that far, take take a flyer on him. Give him a shot. Why not? And then twenty four Milwaukee, I think, is going to be looking shooting guard. They're going to be trying to um, find a key bench piece or a potential successor for um pat Connaughton, when you know his contract's up in a couple of years and you know dante di vincenzo they already traded away to sacramento i could see them looking for shooting guard and i think jalen williams if jalen williams is there at 24 i think that's almost a perfect selection for milwaukee because jalen williams flew up draft boards from santa clara this past year um he had a tremendous combine he's got an insane wingspan. 66209 is a is a knockdown three-point shooter. Shot almost 40% from three this past year at Santa Clara and I think he can be a plus defender in the NBA as well. So, I think that uh that Jalen Williams could could give them a pretty solid piece, another three-point another three-point shooter to kind of watch out for. I wouldn't be shocked if the uh, you know, Williams should be there at 24, and if he is, I I feel like the Bucks could be a, a good spot for him to kind of join join that squad with Drew with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and Giannis and the rest of them. And then at 25, the Spurs have their third of three first round picks. Um, if obviously we said at number nine, the Spurs could be looking center if they decide to go two small forwards, they would. I think with at least one of these three first round picks they're going to be looking center. Um and if if they take two small forwards first, they'll definitely look center at 25. And this is this is a pick that I have a little bit different than most people. A lot of people have Travion Williams going, you know, early, mid, late second round, anywhere in the second round, but I've got him going late first. I think that he is a valuable player um he, through his four years at Purdue, was one of their star players. He's 6'9", 265, can handle the ball a little bit, is a great rebounder, has potential to be a decent defender, has good foot skills to be a good low-post uh, player, good low-post score. I think that Travion Williams could be a, a pretty solid NBA player. I really do. I think that... Um, he's a little bit better than a second round pick. I think that he's, he's worth a gamble with a first round pick by one of these teams in the bottom row that I have over here. Um, in the bottom six, one of these contending teams, um, besides the Spurs and Rock is they're not really contending, but you know, the other four teams would definitely be contending one of these teams. Could could be worth giving a chance to Trayvon Willing because he's a plug and play kind of guy too. He's a four year guy at Purdue. He can give you impactful minutes off the bench right off the bat too. He's not going to take you a few years to develop into you know the player that's that you want him to be. He's going to um, he's really going to become he's he should be right off the bat um, showing all of his potential. You know he's um, he's pushing. 22 years old. By the time the season starts, he's going to be 22. Uh, He's you know one of the older guys in the draft. I think that, I think it would be smart for somebody to take a flyer on Travion Williams in the late first round in this area. And it could end up being the Spurs. Wouldn't be shocked. And then 26 was going to be the Dallas Mavericks pick, but they included this in the Christian Wood trade that happened a few days ago. So the Houston Rockets now own the 26th pick. And I had Dallas taking Kennedy Chandler. Uh, point guard from Tennessee, but I also have Houston taking Kennedy Chandler because in this mock draft, if they go home Grant at three and Sohan at seventeen, they could they could end up going guard at twenty six because they they took two front court guys, um, and their their back court isn't, you know, they have Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., but it's not completely loaded, completely set. You know, they they could use a pure point guard. That's the big thing that I think is key. And Kennedy Chandler is a pure point guard. He's a great defender. Um He's a pass first kind of point guard. He was for a while seen as the best point guard in the draft and was kind of superseded by Ty Ty Washington throughout the season, but he averaged 13.9 points, averaged almost five assists a game, averaged 2.2 steals a game for Tennessee this past year. Um He's going to be going to be definitely a good playmaker, good, um, you know, Pass first kind of point guard. And you know, Houston could use that too, because they got Kevin Porter Jr. playing the one right now and Porter is definitely a score first kind of guard. Um and same with Jalen Green, too. But even though Porter has done a pretty solid job at taking over the point guard position, um, I think that's I think getting a pure point guard like Kennedy Chandler could be good for the Rockets rebuild as well. And then up 27, we got the Miami Heats. Uh, the heaters are going to be looking for depth. Obviously, they're they're seen as being right on the cusp of winning another NBA title. Um, they made it to the 2020 NBA Finals in the bubble, weren't able to go over the edge and beat the Lakers, but made it far this past year too. We're not able to beat the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, but um, you know they they see themselves as being very very close. And obviously a 27, if they keep 27, that is obviously, you know, you got Miami 27, Golden State, 28, Memphis, 29, and Denver at 30. You know, these are all contending teams that could use these, these four picks as, you know, trade bait to bring in a veteran. I wouldn't be surprised. It would be probably at least one or two of these picks are not going to end up being um, with the team that we think that they're going to be with. But if the heats if somehow decide to hold on to the 27th pick and not trade it. You know, Kendall Brown, I think, could be a good piece because PJ Tucker's opting out of his contract. Um, I think that Kendall Brown could kind of be similar to a PJ Tucker. His replacement a little bit, he's 6'8, 201 small forward. Uh he's an athletic. Uh he's an athletic, defensive guy. He's not really as good. he's not really a shooter or anything. He's I, I wouldn't say that his his game resembles pj tucker but he could he could slot in for pj tucker and you know he's got a high motor good skill set great defender you know he's one of the savvier players in this year's draft he was uh, he was a top freshman coming out this past year at baylor so would not be surprised if that's the route they go he should probably be going right around 25 to 30 in the late first round if he doesn't fall into the early second round and Then at number 28, we got the Golden State Warriors, the reigning NBA champions. Um, if they hold on to this pick, obviously there's there could be a decent chance that they try to trade this pick for an, for another veteran to keep competing. If they decide to hold on to this pick, I can see them going center. Um, you know, Kevon Looney is their one true center, but they they could look to bringing in another big man they've been bringing in some other forwards and guards over the past couple of years but Christian Coloco is a guy that stands out um uh, that could be a good piece for Golden State to start to bring off their bench he's seven he's a 7 foot 221 center uh out of Arizona averaged almost 3 blocks a game this past year He's back to the basket score he doesn't shoot um well James we- I mean James Wiseman is also a center too, but you almost forget that they have him. Um, with, after missing bait this entire season, so you know they have Looney and Wiseman. That, I mean, obviously, if they decide to keep the 28th pick, this is going to be for depth. I think Christian Coloco could be a decent guy that gets some a solid minutes. 22 years old as well. You know, he's the kind of guy that can be a plug and play kind of guy. Um, he's not going to be need to me be needed to be brought along slowly. Um, I think that. I think that he could be a good match in Golden State to kind of be towards the end of their bench, maybe play play some part of the season in the G League, you know, kind of sit behind Looney and Wiseman and you know develop into a decent bench contributor for a winning team. Then number 29, you got the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I like I like them going guard here, mainly because they're gonna be looking for depth if they keep this pick. Um they they already have a great young core. They're not going to be looking for any starters. Kyle Anderson's a free agent, so they may be looking to fill his void at the four. But uh, Blake Wesley could be a good pick. He's he had a very good season for Notre Dame this past year. Uh, was one of their top fresh, one of the top freshmen in the nation. Uh, both Tyus Jones and Jared Culver are going to be free agents for Memphis, so they could use a backup point guard behind Jaw. And Blake Wesley could be could be the kind of guy that they end up bringing in. Um, you know. He's a high he's a high motor kind of guy. He may may need some in my opinion, he may need some time to uh to develop. He's only 19 years old. He was a little inconsistent this past year at Notre Dame. Um he's shown a lot of glimpse of having some decent potential. So I, you know, would not be surprised if if he ends up being um a very a very solid piece of of the puzzle for them. Um, I, I, I think that it's, that he can end up being a good point guard, and you know, could be a cheap, inexpensive, uh, backup to Jaw for sure. And then the final pick of the first round, at number thirty, we got the Denver Nuggets with another pick. Um, they just traded this part. This pick was part of the Jamichael Green trade, um, that they just made. So they just acquired the thirtieth pick. Uh, Caleb Houston is the guy I kind of like because. Um, Houston was one of the top freshmen in the nation, had a little bit of an inconsistent year with Michigan, decided not to play in the combine for some reason, which was a little bit interesting. A lot of people think he's going to slide in the draft, but he does have some potential to be, uh, a very good NBA player and, um, and could be a solid role player behind, you know, Jeff green kind of learn behind Jeff green for a little bit this season and possibly develop into, um you know starting forward as along with michael porter jr and nicole Jokic in that front court um i think that caleb houston could be in a good spot going to denver so that's how i like it so there it is everything laid out for you my 2022 nba mock draft first round I've got my entire second round set to we'll be releasing both of them uh these graphics that you see right here will be releasing both of them Thursday morning on review and previews Instagram page so you'll get my full first first and second round mock draft if I make any changes from now until Thursday morning those will be included in my final version that gets posted on Thursday but this is how I I see the first round possibly going down um in in the nba draft obviously there's gonna be a lot i get wrong it's gonna be probably a solid amount that i get right as happens every year and and just like every year probably good five to ten of these picks are going to be end up going to other teams you know at least five to ten of these picks a lot of these picks are always traded and you know Get, get shipped around. So it's always difficult to predict who's going where, because obviously, you know, most of these picks are not even going to be from the team that's supposed to have them. But there's my, there's my 2022 NBA mock draft uh, first round. So that pretty much wraps it up for uh, tonight's episode for, and for the entire season. Um, that's, that's pretty much going to do it for Tonight's episode and for the entire season of Three and D, season two has been a blast. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank everybody who has taken part, every all of the guest stars from this season, everybody who's dropped comments, um, staying engaged with the show. Thank you so much for that. Um, as always, like we did last year, um, with the NBA season coming down to an end and little basketball going on from now until October. Uh, we'll, we'll be taking a break from going live um, uh, up until October. We'll come back with a brand new season for the 22, 23 college basketball season and the upcoming NBA season. We'll start going live again, but in the meantime, keep checking the review and preview uh, YouTube channel. We'll be putting out shorts on the NBA free agency. I'm definitely going to be staying extremely active um throughout the summer because a lot of stuff is definitely going to go down and also don't miss uh probably either friday or saturday will be i'll put out my nba draft recap so i'll go over um you know which picks i liked which picks i didn't really like all that kind of stuff so that's that's all going to be good stuff but throughout the entire summer i'll be putting out some free agency recaps and then once again basketball will be here before you know it and once october rolls around we'll be i'll be back live with some more guests with you guys watching and uh, previewing at the upcoming college basketball season and the upcoming NBA season. It's going to be here before you know it. So hope everyone enjoys themselves. That's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the Review and Preview Network all season long to watch another episode, another set season of 25 episodes, I think it was, of the 3&D. And to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the Three and D. Make sure you do because that's where we're going to be staying the most active during our hiatus. At the Three and D on Twitter, that's um, the Twitter account for the, for the show, the main Twitter account run by me. I'm going to be tweeting all of my thoughts throughout free agency, throughout the NBA draft. I'm going to be tweeting a lot during the NBA draft. Um, that's, that's for sure. So if you want to stay, if you want to stay in touch with me, stay up to date with, you know, my thoughts and everything, go follow the three and D at the three and D on Twitter and also make sure you're following at review and preview and subscribing to review and preview on YouTube to catch up with all the rest of the stuff that, uh, our company does as well as three and D all of the shorts that we're going to be coming out with And once we start going live again in October, it's going to be here before you know it. So hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week and the rest of their summer. Um, Enjoy the NBA draft this Thursday night and have a great night, everyone.